It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. We have a great one for you today here on this Tuesday, January 5th, as we look to get to some news and notes, some talkers here uh, in the world of the UFC. Um, Obviously, uh, you know, we are in the dark ages here. If you're a UFC fan, uh, you know, maybe you got your MMA fix with uh, that Ryzen event that was going on. I have no idea what Bellator is doing. Largely irrelevant. Um, But, uh, yeah, we're all just trying to scrape by here. Uh, Same with uh, yours truly. Uh, And, uh, yeah, probably a little bit of a shorter episode here today. I don't have a whole lot to plug. Not a lot of uh, housekeeping to get to, uh, you know, as we uh, sit here in, in the lull. Um you know, really just brainstorming, really brainstorming, trying to think of uh, new fresh ideas here for North Star Sports in this new year. Um, you know, working out a lot on a lot of um, main card showdown stuff, like I said, on previous shows. So, uh, you know, we're, we're working on stuff. We're staying busy, but, uh, you know, it's 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 a little rough. You know, we've, we've been staying busy with football. Obviously, we did a fucking two hour and 45 minute show. Uh, a couple of days ago with uh, the Hound Dog, Reagan Hooverman, uh, about the uh, 2020 NFL season, so you should go check that out. We also made playoff predictions uh, that we were basically in lockstep with. I mean, we were were dead on basically the entire time, some minor disagreements, um, although I think we definitely fucked up on one of our picks because we picked the Browns to beat the Steelers, and then, you know, half the fucking building and their, you know, half of their coaches... Uh, test positive for COVID, and now there's the 10-day uh, quarantine or whatever. Or I don't know what you want to call it. You have to fuck off for 10 days, basically, uh, regardless of your situation. And uh, yeah, that's ooh, that's it's not probably not going to go so hot. So uh, I'll concede that we were probably wrong on uh, the Browns and the Steelers. Although I think the winner of that game is is going to lose. I forget who they I forget who they would advance to play in that bracket, but. Um, I don't think either team will have too much success deeper in the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, you should go check that show out. Uh, but for now, we got a, we got an abbreviated show here. We got some uh, some talkers to talk about here. Uh, like I said, I think about five different stories here, and we'll just kind of go in, uh, in uh, whatever order they are on my computer. I assume chronological. That would make sense. Uh, but we'll start here. This from uh, Brett Akimoto. Uh, highly respected, highly respected uh, re- reporter and staff writer for uh, ESPN, and it's uh, it's a brilliant piece of news, but not really, not really. So Kamaru Usman and Gilbert Burns is set to headline UFC 258. Well, not really. Uh, it hasn't been signed yet, but they've both agreed to it. So it's you know. It's the brilliant. We got it. We got to have a, a, a piece of news. We got to come up with something, but there's nothing behind it. I mean, no, or no more behind it than there was three weeks ago. I mean, we've known for a long time 
that uh, you know Burns and Usman are gonna fight. We've known for a long time uh, that it, that it was probably gonna be 258, and uh, <laughs> not even they've officially done it yet. So um, I, I guess that's good. You know, I hope that's the fight that uh, happens. Uh, again, you know, I'm still a firm believer in uh, in Colby Covington. I think Colby is the number one contender, um, certainly after what he did to uh, Tyron Woodley. But, um, you know, I'm not going to be too mad that Burns is getting a title shot. I think anyone who is mad at that, I mean, it's, you know, they've been trying to put this fight together for, Jesus, I mean, we're coming up on eight months or, or something, you know, May of, uh, really ever since he beat uh, Tyron Woodley. Um, and, uh, yeah, again, this is one of the fights that uh, I, I said has to happen in 2021. Uh, early in 2021 because we did that for mailman's matchmaking again not a groundbreaking take that the number one contender should take on the champion but uh, you know I got to see this fight happen and uh, again I I think I think Kamaru will win I mean I just think Kamaru is unbeatable right now and um, you know we did um, actually you know what there's a little uh, little Peyton Manning audible here but uh, you know we did do updated um UFC rankings and um, you know we had some random shuffles because I figured um, you know Anthony Pettis left for the PFL and he was in our rankings so I wanted to go in and um, you know clean up our rankings and then I wanted to really evaluate why why we have people in in those spots in the rankings so we had a couple of random shuffles so I wasn't planning on this but uh, this is as good of a time as ever to uh, look at our most recent rankings, um, heavyweight, light heavyweight, middleweight, they all stay the same, and uh, at welterweight, so we had Pettis at 14, so uh, we bumped up Muslim Salikov from 15 to 14, and then I was kind of struggling to figure out who would be the number 15 welterweight, because it there's a lot of guys who could be the number 15 guy, I mean, um, but nobody really stood off the page. I mean, you have like a Gunnar Nelson, you you know, and Alessio Zaleski Dos Santos is chilling around there. Um, but we decided to go with Jake Matthews at 15. Um, I think you look at the, the winning streak he's on, it's not over the greatest names. They're names you would know, like Diego Sanchez, but it's not, it's not over the, it's not over the number five guy in the fucking division. But, um, you know, I just look at consistency. He's been here. He's had a lot of fights, and he's won a lot of fights recently. And uh, you know, that that was just the the problem with putting anybody else at that spot is uh, that they, they all had recent losses. Um, so maybe maybe not on a losing streak, obviously, but recent losses. And then you know, there's there were some some potential guys. You know, if we had to rank guys 15 to 25, you know, there are some potential guys who I was thinking about putting in there, but it's just, man, they haven't done enough yet for me to put them there. I think they will be there at some point, but I just can't do it. Like a Miguel Baeza, you know, that's that's a guy who, um, uh, he's 3-0, and just beat Matt Brown, but it's like, ah, 3-0 and is not going to get you ranked. Uh, well, context is everything, you know, if you, again, if you're beating guys up in the rankings, of course you're going to be ranked, but... You know, just beating the guys that he's beaten. He's off to a tremendous start. I think he's a real legitimate prospect, but I can't put him there. Um, I think Sean, Sean Brady is 170, I think. Because I think that was another guy we were looking at. I, I really hope he's not a middleweight, and I'm, I'm misremembering. But I believe Sean Brady 
is uh, no, he's a welterweight because he t- he just beat. Um, Christian Aguilera and he's 3-0 and as well and they've been impressive performances but again it's just like it's not enough to, to get ranked in a pretty deep division um, so lightweight stayed the same featherweight I, I had a change of heart on Edson Barboza so we had Edson Barboza at number 12 in the featherweight division but his only fight in the featherweight division is a split decision loss to, uh, to Dan Ige so why is he why is he 12 i was just looking at all these guys below him and it's like yeah they haven't beat the best guys in the world but they're winning fights they're on a very impressive winning winning streaks so why does this guy go 0 and one against you know a guy who's ranked number 10 so i'm you know and i'm dan Ige's biggest fan i mean you know me but uh so i actually moved him down three spots from 12 to 15 and then we had Ryan Hall at 13. He goes to 12. Mitchell from 14 to 13. And Sadiq Youssef from 15 to 14. Because I was, you know, sometimes I look at other people's rankings. I, I don't really let it affect mine. But it's just an interesting thing to see why other people have people ranked where they, they are. Because some people do rankings um, just by feelings. And some people do rankings just by statistics. Um, I'm not really interested in the feelings rankings. I think those are, are by far the worst rankings. I think they're fucking stupid. Um, I admire the people who do rankings by by analytics and statistics. Um, so, like, they, they have, like, point values and stuff like that. So they're just nerds doing math. And I think... I think that's a cool idea, but I, th- but I think there are you run into some problems when you do stuff mathematically, where you kind of lose the eye test, which I think is important. Not all of it. I'm not saying the eye test is 100% of rankings. Of course, it's not, but it is a legitimate aspect of ranking, and you lose context. Uh, I mean, you can tr- you you can try to address the context by, because I'm sure you know, if. Oh man, I, like I'm sure if an unranked guy beat Dustin Poirier, you know they would they would I don't know, but but again I don't know their mathematical equations. I don't know. I'm sure he's ranked higher, so his points are higher, so that would reflect higher on a lower guy who beat him. But I just don't get how it works. It's kind of like uh, Pro Football Focus, like PFF, where like, and I listen. I I respect PFF, and I do use PFF from time to time. I throw I throw PFF out of the fucking window out of the fucking window when it comes to the offensive line because how do you know if how do you know if the left tackle performed well how do you know that the left guard wasn't supposed to pick up you know that that uh that blitz i mean for you to grade offensive linemen you would have to know everybody's responsibility so it's you can try to do your best and i think it's listen it's obvious to know why joe thomas you know was the best fucking offensive lineman in the league okay that you, you, you don't you don't need to watch a whole lot of tape to know why that guy's good just like you don't need to watch a whole lot of tape to know that drew samia is absolute fucking dog shit uh you know as as a guard as an offensive lineman okay but anything in between i don't know like i don't know man it, it's so how the hell does the pff know yeah you'd, you'd have to know all the responsibilities but again so i respect it i think it's cool that people are bringing like heavy analytics into mma but i just don't know how you do it I think the best way to do it, which is obviously why this is the way we do rankings, is it's the eye test, but it's also 
<coughs> excuse me, it's also principles. So there was only ever one guy in all of 2020 who beat somebody and did not take their rankings, okay? So what I mean by that is if you're the number eight guy in a division and you beat the number two guy, you're now the number two guy because you just beat the number two guy. That's as you might disagree with that. I, I don't. Th- I don't know why you would, but, but maybe that's your prerogative. But th- at least that's ideologically consistent. That will always be consistent. If you, you know what I mean. It's like with a champ. If you beat the champ, you are the champ. You got to beat the man to be the man. Okay. So I, I think that's consistent. Whereas, you know, other people, their rankings are just there because they're there. They're just the rank. The the guys. The, the number next to this guy's name is only there. Maybe there's some thought behind it, but it's only there just because you feel he should be there. My, you know, at least mine is consistent. Where it's a little bit of feelings. It's a little bit of looking about. We do prioritize wins. We we do prior. Obviously, fucking rankings prioritize wins. But I think I would say more so than others. We like really try to prioritize wins. Okay, like when you lose. Like, we don't try to be overreactionary with it, but like, when, like, Marlon Marais, because he lost to Rob Font, he dropped four spots, okay? Because he's on a losing streak. So when you compound losses together, I think that matters. And then, uh, but, but you can rise a lot higher than you can fall. So again, uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, Cynthia Calvillo, what was it? She, she, uh, uh, fought Jessica I. She wasn't even in the 125 rankings, and she beat her, so we put her at number two because at the time, and then she kind of dropped because other people went ahead of her. But, you know, because uh, she beat the number two woman in the division. That's as consistent as it possibly gets. And I said, the only guy we didn't do that for was Rob Font. Uh, Rob Font, I think he was 10. He beat number four Marlon Marais, and we put him at five. So we were one off. But seriously, think of every fighter in the rankings who was lower and then beat a higher-ranked opponent. Every single time except for that time, they have taken that number next to the their opponent's name. So I, that's why I think it's it's the best way to do it. Uh, but then again, it's it's also, you know, cojones. You know, it's also what you're feeling down there, okay? I think that's what we're lacking in sports. There's so much analytics, which is important, but you got to blend the two together. So, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's just a feeling. It's it's a feeling, and you got to trust your gut. Um, so, it's it's a, it's a mix of all of them. Um, I, I didn't do anything in the flyweight division. So, I'll concede my flyweight rankings are probably not super awesome. I just don't care, man. I just don't give a shit. When you look at, like, 8 through 15 in the flyweight division, it's like guys with one win in the UFC and it's like how am I going to say one win in the UFC is better than this other guy's one win and then it's just like there's probably 18 flyweight fighters in the division anyway so it's like uh, I thought about going through it again Um, I I think it is a a good flyweight ranking but it's just you know I wanted to make sure everything was absolutely where it should be and um, I just don't care man I don't care uh, I'm thinking of getting rid of the women's featherweight division rankings. It's kind of cool that we do them, and it it's no work for me at all because they don't change because there's only four fighters, but it's just, who fucking cares? The women's featherweight division, I, I literally think they have four fighters under contract. Um, so 
who knows? I think we'll keep it for now. Um, everything stays the same uh, in the bantamweight division. We've been doing a lot of work on the flyweight division, the women's flyweight division. So no need to go through that because that that division has just been up and down, up and down. We've been that's been our most active division all year, just because there's so many fights that change uh, the rankings. And then um, we have some changes here for the women's strawweight division. Uh, so Nina uh, Nina Ansarov goes from five to six, and Yan Xiaonan goes from six, six to five. So they uh, flip spots. Um, we might have been a little low on Yan, but uh, yeah, Nina Ansarov hasn't won a fight I think since like November of 2018, or it might even it might even actually be longer than that. So just pure inactivity. And you want to talk about activity? I mean, Yan Xiaonan, one of the more active fighters. Uh, you know, the last couple of years in the women's strawweight division. I wanted to drop her low. I, I wanted, to be honest, well, I'm not going to say I wanted to. I don't have a fucking agenda here. You know what I mean? Of course, I have, you know, biases like everybody else, but I really try to suppress them. But when, but again, I prioritize activity because it's a rankings. It's not a fucking who's the greatest of all time. Uh, it's, it's, it's rankings. It's, you know, it's right now. I mean, that's why we say, you know, it's the January 4th rank uh, rankings. You know what I mean? Because it's who's ranked there on January 4th. Like, it's not, it's not, wow, Nina Ansarov had a great last performance in fucking, you know, quarter three of, of 2018. It's like, that's not even relevant at this point. Really, when it comes to rankings, I really only look at the last two years. I'm going to be completely honest because I think it's what you, what have you done lately? And, you know, obviously two years is a long fucking time, but, you know, people tear their ACLs and they're out for, you know, nine months. So I, I, I honestly really only look at the last two years. That's why you look at Robbie Lawler. And I think the UFC technically has Robbie Lawler ranked. And uh, I've seen other people who have Robbie Lawler ranked. Dude, Robbie Lawler is so far from being ranked at North Star Sports because his last win was over Donald Cowboy Cerrone at UFC 214 in july of 2017 dude that's fucking more than three years ago like that's so far beyond like okay should bj penn be in the fucking rankings because he has a win in 2012 it's just like man that's so 2017 is so not relevant to what's happening in January of 2021. It certainly when it comes to rankings or it's just like, man, what what are we doing here? Um and these are the fun rankings, pound for pound rankings. So don't, you know, don't crucify me for these changes in the pound for pound rankings cuz you know, they're not Of course, all of these rankings are not official, by the way. I, I I put that disclaimer at the top of every article, but I suppose I'll say it here you know, in the audio version that obviously these are just my fucking opinions. They're not, I'm not affiliated with the UFC. Not that anybody thought that for a second, but, uh, you know, they're just, they're my opinion. Um, but I changed the pound for pound and, uh, I dropped Stipe Miocic, Stiopic from uh, four to five, flipped it with Kamaru Usman. And, uh, like I said, we, we put Charles Oliveira at 15. Um, because we had to drop out Tony Ferguson because uh, he was on a two-fight losing streak where he'd just been, you know, he was just mollywopped for fucking 10 rounds or eight rounds. Uh, but I'm putting Dustin Poirier at 15. I don't know what I was thinking. I guess I didn't look too hard enough, but yeah, Dustin Poirier, what the fuck? Yeah, he lost to Khabib. Eh, 
Khabib's number one in the in the pound for pound rankings. I mean, everybody loses to Khabib. Uh, you know, Justin Gaethje's sitting there at number eleven. He lost to Khabib. Um, so, you know, we we put Poirier back in the rankings. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just I, I like I think Usman's been more dominant. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's you know they're both top five pound for pound fighters. So you know it's not like it's a slight. It's not like a like it's a diss on uh, Stipe Miocic, but uh, you know that's just kind of what I was feeling at the time. Um, that was one hell of a way to get off track, but you know that was uh, was important because uh, you know they they were updated rankings. Um, yeah, the other the other news that uh, it it uh, broke yesterday, but uh, that Curtis Blades Derek Lewis fight that was supposed to take place back in November, I want to say I want to say that was the last card of November, so like the twenty seventh. Um, Blades tested positive for COVID, and this one is being rescheduled to headline uh, the fight night card on February twentieth. Um, so that's that's good to know. Uh, I, I think that's not a fight that has to, it doesn't have to happen, but you know that's that's a fight that should happen in the heavyweight division. Makes sense, like we've been saying for a long time, especially with mailman's matchmaking. You know, we got to do Stiopic and Ngannou. Uh, what is it? Um, Overeem and Volkov are already booked. Uh, so you look at other top guys. You know, Curtis Blades. If you want to keep winning and making money and being in main events i mean it's it's either Jairzinho or uh derrick lewis and uh you know obviously they were scheduled before so um i i think it'll be an interesting fight but it's just i don't well i know how derrick lewis wins it's by knocking him out early on in that fight um but man i i don't know man it's it's you know, it, it keeps the heavyweight division active, but I would heavily, heavily favor Curtis Blades uh, in, in this one. I mean, just, you know, I, I know a lot of people knocked his cardio in the Volkov fight. I don't know, man. Wrestling's like really hard to do for 25 minutes. It's like almost, it's almost like there's a reason why you do collegiate wrestling and, you know, fucking Olympic wrestling and the matches are not 25 minutes long. Okay. Cause it's, it's taxing. So I actually, especially for the heavyweight division, I actually thought his cardio was really good. Not saying that it couldn't use some improvement, because he did gas. But, I mean, Jesus, what heavyweight's not going to gas in a five-round fight? But, again, that's something to work on. But it's just, I don't know, man. I mean, you're really just kind of betting on Derek Lewis's resiliency and, and, and durability, which is... I mean, it is kind of top marks. It, it is top marks. I mean, that guy... Uh, fuck I mean you look at the Volkov fight and knocking him out in the last 10 seconds I mean he'll just if you don't finish him which I don't think Blades is gonna uh it's it's a possibility that he he finishes the fight if it ever gets to the feet but again this is the same guy who got grapple fucked and lost that fight lost the fight to Alir Latifi I don't care what anybody said I don't care what anybody said Alir Latifi won that fight that was UFC 247 awful judges hometown decision for Derek Lewis he got beat oh he landed more strikes okay they did nothing they were all they were all strikes on the ground it was it was Latifi who was dictating the pace and where that fight took place and at the for the last 60 seconds of the fight Derek Lewis as he was tired and and running out of gas tried to put it on 
Ilir Latifi and walked him down, but really wasn't even landing, you know, that crazy of strikes on him. So, I mean, if Ilir Latifi can do that, I'd be pretty concerned about what Curtis Blades is going to do to him. Uh, I think the majority of this fight just takes place on the ground. But again, you know, you got to give Derek Lewis a puncher's chance. Uh, I don't, I don't know, but again, I don't know if Blades finishes him. I mean, he couldn't finish Volkov, and you know, Volkov was having a little bit of success as the fight went on into rounds. Maybe it was round three, but certainly rounds four and five, it got a little interesting because you're like, wow, could this be one of the biggest comebacks of all time? I mean, you got Curtis Blades potentially dropping some ten eights, not because of damage, but just you know, because of control and. And, you know, sheer amount of takedowns. He landed, like, fucking 12 takedowns in that fight. And, uh, you know, he couldn't do it. But, I I mean, I think there's levels to this game when it comes to striking. And, obviously, at UFC 229, we figured out who was the, the higher-level striker between Lewis and Volkov. But, uh, yeah, that'll, that'll be a good one. I'm excited for it. That is definitely a, a, a main event. So, uh, that'll, be, uh, that'll be fun. I'd take it this weekend. I would take it this weekend. Um, all right, we have uh, another piece of news here from Mark Ramondi, uh, also from uh, ESPN. And I, I found this a little uh, interesting that uh, the UFC Fight Night Holloway versus Cater will air on mainstream mainstream TV uh, on ABC. And um, I don't know, I was kind of taken taken aback by that. I because I I, I don't really. First of all, I don't really know what that means for the UFC. Like, I know what it means. Like, it's going to be on ABC. But, like, what is that? I think it's a good thing for the UFC. But, I don't know, man. Do people really... Do people really watch mainstream TV? I don't... I don't know. I guess it... We're like... Maybe maybe I'm over... You know, it is a good thing. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Because, you know, you got to... You got to understand that... um, 20% 20% of UFC fans are hardcore, 80% are casual and that I don't I'm not saying that in a demeaning way or a mean way, that's just a reality. It's something that Uncle Chael talks about. That's that's a real thing. There's not really any semi-mainstream thing where most of the fans are hardcore. Most NFL fans are not hardcore. Of course there's a good a good portion, maybe 20%, but then there's like your mom and your grandma and they'll watch the game but maybe they don't know what's going on like most most fans of anything generally are are casual at least at a high enough uh level so i i think it is a good thing i think every hardcore fan probably has an espn plus account and and ponies up the uh you know the five dollars a month and and you know every the majority of those 20% of hardcore fans probably probably pony up the money uh, to watch pay-per-views or, you know, maybe they go to some, yeah, maybe they go to some of those websites that I'm not going to mention that, that I would never, I would never indulge that, but I'm also not going to snitch on people like, uh, you know, the walking CTE case, Brendan Schaub, but uh, yeah, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they, maybe they watch those pay-per-views in uh, another, maybe not so legal uh, way, but um you know, like, I, I don't know. I mean, you can't discount the fact that, uh, you know, someone just flips on uh, ABC whenever this fight, when does this fight take place? January 16th, somebody just on the couch, never really heard of the UFC, or maybe they know what it is, but they don't watch it, and, yeah, I'm just fucking, I'm bored. 
you know, it's it's uh, COVID times. Maybe maybe I'm welded into my apartment building uh, because the government came by and and you know welded my door shut. So I'm, I'm I guess I'm gonna watch TV and uh, and just order Uber Eats. And uh, you know the ESPN uh, is simul I guess simulcasting. Maybe that's not the right word, but you know the 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 ESPN or uh, the UFC here is on uh, ABC. Uh, actually, that's the same parent parent company, right? That's just Disney, ABC, and ESPN. That's just I believe that's just Disney. Um, but but that's that's interesting. But again, I don't know how much success that has brought, like a Bellator or shoot, who was the other one? Well, I guess PFL uh, partnered with ESPN Plus, but it can't hurt them. And I know the UFC will do the right thing, and I'm pretty sure I heard somewhere that it it's just going to be the the same. Uh, UFC crew, which I love. I love because I think that's the the best thing that the UFC does is they don't pawn stuff off. Okay, and I'm not saying it. it I'm not saying it doesn't work and that there's not good shows uh, that are pawned off. But like the UFC, like they run the the, the preview show. They run the. Um, embedded, they run the fucking whatever uh, Dan Hardy and, and John Gooden do. I mean, they run the post fight. They control every single aspect of production. So they're going to make sure that, because, you know, like, say the UFC signs a deal with, with Fox, okay, Fox Sports, where it's like, well, that's awesome. That's cool. We think that's cool. But we're the UFC is not priority number one at Fox Sports because you know football's bigger, basketball's bigger, so it's almost um, it's it's a gross oversimplification, but it's almost like yeah yeah UFC we'll get to you. We're not going to put our best guys covering the UFC, you know, because the NFL is what makes us the most amount of money, you know. So I like that the UFC is like no 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 the UFC is very fucking important and Dana White was very clear about that if you go back and watch some of those documentaries that the UFC put out those 25 year uh, documentaries they had uh, like a year ago uh, where they were like we want to tell our own stories like we don't want to pawn this off to anybody and sometimes it works like I love you know the NFL does that I mean they obviously have the NFL network but they also you know Fox Sports you know they have the the like the pre-game and halftime shows with uh uh jesus you know terry bradshaw and guys like that and I, you know it's fine i like it it's not groundbreaking fucking material but you know sometimes tony gonzalez says something interesting or you know sometimes michael strahan says something that's you know in- informative and you're like oh okay like this is uh you know i like it a lot better than what cbs does i think that's the best example of what not to do with uh with pawning off your shit is uh you know that that cbs uh halftime and, and pregame show but um i i i digress but uh no i i think it's interesting i i think it's 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 probably good i'm i'm curious to see if it's a if it's a a long-term thing because from what i can gather it's it's just for this first event so maybe it's i i assume it's it's a, a trial run i i have you know, it's it's Holloway and Cater, which it, you know is going to be a very fun fight for me and other hardcore uh, viewers. But it's not like it's it's not like it's a pay per view. It's not like it's you know McGregor Cerrone, you know, which happened a year ago uh, in January. So it, it's not like oh, this event is so big that we have to get ABC in for a one time deal. 
I I really think it's just a trial run, and um, I I don't. I don't know, I guess. Uh, oh, so it is a simulcast. I was using that uh, correctly. I didn't want to speak out of turn. But, uh, um, yeah, I I, uh, I don't know. I suppose, honestly, if they sign a deal with ABC, it's not re- really a reason for me to have ESPN Plus anymore because it would just be simulcasted entirely on, on ABC. And then, you know, I'm never going to buy a fucking pay-per-view as long as I live because I'm not, you know, I don't own a fucking oil company. You know, I'm not... I'm not uh, Shad Khan, the owner of the fuck it. Well, I guess he doesn't own an oil company either. Um, or or does he? I was reading something about him. I actually don't know how he got his wealth. Oh no, he was. Um, he started his own like car parts business or something. Never mind. Thinking of somebody else. But either way, I you know I'm not a. I, I don't have fucking buku money. I can't just you know spend seventy bucks on a fucking pay per view every month. But um, I don't know. I like ESPN Plus. Um, moving on here, uh, we also have uh, news. I think we've we've known this for probably a couple of weeks. It was the hot rumor out there, but uh, um, Michael Chandler is going to make his UFC debut against Dan Hooker uh, on January 23rd. So that's going to be over on Fight Island. Um, shoot, I don't know. I feel like I have this somewhere, but I don't know... Uh, what event that's uh, that's gonna be on? Oh, that's on the 257. Uh, Poirier and McGregor too. So I love that. That's a brilliant move, by the way, because you know I, the UFC is really good at this. You know, you saw it with UFC 250, where I love it. UFC 250 was the breakout pay per view for bantamweights. They they loaded that fight up with bantamweights, and um, I I, uh, I like what they're doing here. You know, you have everybody talking about uh, McGregor and Poirier and, and uh, you know, Khabib's obviously going to be a talker because, you know, the, 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 a title shot for the winner is going to be a talking point. So is it going to be against Khabib or is he retired? And, you know, you throw this one on here. Hey, you know, if Hooker beats Chandler in a very convincing fashion or vice versa, you know, <laughs> you're also like, hey, motherfuckers, don't forget about me. I'm also in this division. I'm also a very serious player. So I like when they do that. I, it's, it's a brilliant move. And again, like I said, um, I think I chose Chandler and Oliveira for Mailman's matchmaking, but I love this as well. I thought this was also a real possibility. I thought it was the most likely uh, scenario. I didn't think it was going to be Oliveira, but uh, I wanted it to be. But, um, you know, I love it because, like I said, Chandler's here for a good time, not a long time. He's 34. Uh, he's been around for a long time. We need to shit or get off the pot, okay? We need to figure out if he's a legitimate title contender or if he's just some fucking jabroni, okay? And we're going to find out real quick because we're putting him against, uh, you know, a guy who was on a meteoric rise. Uh, he did lose, but it was a fight of the night to uh, Dustin Poirier, and uh, he's the number six guy in the division, according to North Star Sports. So we're going to find out real, real quick here, which I, I love it. There's no need to, to do what boxing does. There, there's no need to have the Bellator approach uh, and, you know, treat him like Michael Venom Page and have him fight 15 cab drivers in a row. Uh, we don't have to have him debut against the number 15 guy in uh, Drew Dober or Benil Dariush. Uh, let's just put him in there, man. Sink or swim. I love that mentality. And uh, man, I 
I don't know who's going to win this fight, man. I'm, I'm siding with Michael Chandler because I think he's a, a more well-rounded fighter. Um, uh, I think he's better on the ground, and I think that's where he's going to try to uh, take this fight because he said as much uh, during his interview with MMA on Point where they were talking about that just resurfaced. Watched it uh, when it came out like a month ago. Great channel, always doing great stuff, uh, MMA on Point. And, uh, you know, they, they did... Uh, well, I suppose he, they, they gave him the top 10 and told him to rank them, and he talks a little bit about each fighter, and, you know, he did about 90 seconds on how he would fight Dan Hooker, which is brilliant. They did the same thing with uh, Wonderboy Thompson, and um, so we know we know Chandler's going to fight this fight, but again, it's tough to pick against Dan Hooker because you, you, you can try to drag that hooker into deep waters, okay, but, uh, you know, you're not going to get rid of that body, okay? You're not going to get rid of that fighter. Uh, you know, Poirier tried to drown him and uh, did not work. He matched it, uh, you know, punch for punch. Well, maybe not punch for punch because he lost the fight, but, you know, almost every punch for punch, he matched it. So, you know, I think that really legitimized Hooker and, you know, the respect level, kind of like, you know, GTA, the respect level goes up for, for Dan Hooker. So it's tough for me to pick against Dan Hooker because he's going to be the taller fighter. He's a master of the eight limbs, as they would say, you know, good knees, good elbows, uh, obviously a really good kickboxer. So, I mean, fuck me, man. I don't know who's going to win. Of course, I'm going to have to make a pick when the main card showdown comes around. But, you know, as, as it stands right now, I'm just excited that it's a fight that we're probably going to see. You know, here's fucking knocking on wood because, uh, well, I guess that's metal. But uh, here's here's knocking on metal that, you know, nobody tests positive for COVID in this one because, you know, uh, old, uh, old 19 is a reason for a lot of fucking cancellations of... Uh, of some of these fights that we've wanted to see in 2020, but I am I am pumped for this. That's uh, a plus move by the UFC, basically on par for for most UFC moves. Um, yeah. Here's the here's the last story we have. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time on it, but uh, I, I did think it mentioned uh, talking about um, as my uh, computer flips out because the ESPN website is. Uh, not as good as the North Star Sports. Uh, a lot of autoplay videos, which uh, I do not consent to. Um, but we have uh, a bout agreement here for the March 27th card, and it's between Jimmy Crute and Johnny Walker. And, uh, you know, ordinarily I would not like matchmaking like this. I mean, rankings-wise, it does make sense. Walker sitting there at 9, Jimmy Crute sitting there at number 11, but typically I'm against this because I don't like taking, I generally don't like taking prospect A, who could be legitimate, and prospect B, who could be legitimate. So, you know, not just two bums we signed to the fucking organization, but two actual prospects and just mashing them together. You know, I don't like that. I like building them against uh, older established fighters. I'm not saying that has to happen every time because, again, that's not a real possibility. Of course, you know, fighters turn down fights and injuries happen and you know matchmaking is never exactly how you want it to be but I you know I really don't like taking young prospects together and just it's almost like you have two Ferraris and you fucking crash them and then you're left with one Ferrari it's like okay well now I'm I I like this Ferrari better but you know we we had two we had two of them and now I got one so and and you know again just because you lose one fight doesn't mean it's over but you know sometimes it feels like that 
Uh, but again, like I said, ordinary, ordinarily I don't like that, but I think I think Walker's not really a prospect anymore, and that's not to say that I don't think he could do th- do some things, you know, in this company. But I just think, uh, you know, some of his recent performances, uh, you know, I don't know, man. He's one of these guys where it, I don't think you get the the benefit of the doubt of being a prospect. I think you're just now a guy who uh, is in the rankings. So you know, good for him. You know, it's not like he's on the brink of being cut, but you know, it's also a guy who's got a. Uh, you know he's got to win some fights. You know what I mean to to prove he's he he belongs in those rankings. You know he's 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 someone who's got to you know uh, um, validate himself uh, in in these uh, light heavyweight waters because they are getting they are getting deeper. They are getting deeper. There are a lot of legitimate prospects um, even in the top fifteen uh in the light heavyweight division it's a very very young division and and like we said a couple of shows ago it's a division that could look entirely different um you know in 18 months i mean you look at a lot of these guys here you're talking about uh you know rakic i mean that guy could be the champ real soon yuri prohaska um uh, nikita krilov is is like 27 obviously jimmy crude uh megamed ankalaev uh ryan spans only 28 years old so you know, there's not, there are, there are a lot of old guys, handful of old guys, a lot of young guys, and not really a whole lot of, lot of guys in the middle here in in the light heavyweight division. But I like this. Uh, I think it'll be an interesting fight because again, uh, we haven't really seen it recently with with Johnny Walker, uh, but he, he can still turn the lights out. I mean, he still can be that goofy guy I, I like that he's taking it a little more seriously even though you know he's lost two of his last three um but he's he's still that guy who's six foot six at at 205 still a guy with crazy power still a guy who you know uh can can do a crazy flying knee and 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 knock you out I think you know when I look at Johnny Walker I really think of Anthony Pettis in the sense that I think Anthony Pettis, when he's goofing off, he's just not that good. He's not that good. You know, sometimes when he's goofing off, some good shit will happen. But what I've noticed with Anthony Pettis is when he goofs, when he goof, goofs off, Jesus Christ, until it's late at night. But when he goofs off, he loses fights or he loses rounds, and he really needs a, a strong coach to coach him. He really needs, you know, Duke Rufus to sit him down and be like, yeah, Anthony, what the fuck are you doing? Like, let's stick to some fundamentals here. Let's stick with a, you know, one, two. Let's, you know, let's not get fucking wild here. You know, maybe, maybe, you know, I'm not saying you have to suppress it entirely, you know, but let's, let's have a solid base before we start doing some of this wacky shit. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's probably the case with Johnny Walker, or maybe it's the exact opposite. Maybe he needs to go back to what he was when he was a prospect, just, you know, doing the worm and, you know, dislocating his shoulder and, you know, just knocking out dudes in 15 seconds with a spinning back fist. I mean, I don't know. I could be wrong. I don't have the, you know, the, the hubris to think that I'm correct, but, you know, I think my assertion is, uh, is, uh, is on to something with, uh, with Walker. And then Crute. I think Crute is a legitimate title contender in, uh, in not that long of a time. I mean, you look at him from fight to fight, he's improving, and, you know, that's, uh, of course, that's a cliche, but I, I think it really is true with uh, uh, Jimmy Crute. I mean, I even go back, and again, he's so young, so every time you see him, I mean, dude, he's 24, so every time, you, every six months you see him, I mean, that's 
that's six months when you're 24 is a lot more significant than significant than six months when you've been in the UFC for 10 years and 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 you're 36 years old. So you know from his first uh, performance on the Contender Series against Chris Birchler, you know I, that's really why they called him the the brute because he he fought like a brute. There wasn't. I don't want to say there's a whole lot of te- there wasn't a whole lot of technique because that's a little disrespectful. But it's a, it's at the highest level he was lacking some technique, and but you know, beats Paul Craig, Sam Alvey. You know has that weird loss to Misha Serkinov, and again, it's kind of like uh, uh, Megamed Ankalaev, where you're like, where could this guy be if he just didn't lose to Paul Craig? Hey, Jimmy Crute's only 24. You know, fucking murdered Modestus Bukowskis uh, back in uh, October. I mean, that was a vicious, vicious knockout. And it's like, uh, it's not a what if, I suppose, because he's 24. But, you know, if he didn't lose to Misha Serkinov, he might be on the doorstep of the uh, of the top five. You know, he could be having a top five opponent at, at this point. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, very dangerous guy because his, I think his striking is probably his strong suit. Uh, great power. But his striking is, is just as good as his ground game. He's, he's really well-rounded and of course he has a lot of finishes in the UFC for how little fights he has and their their punches and their submissions so not a whole lot of decisions okay so he he finishes fights however however he wants to take it whatever you give him he'll take um yeah I think that's that's all we have to get to uh today for our uh, UFC news and notes segment so with that, we'll wrap up the show. Again, you could follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely M, and you could follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M I N. You can check out our website at NorthStarSports.media. And thanks for tuning in, everybody.